Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Amen. All right, John chapter 17. I want to read five verses here, and I want to talk to you uh, out of the title, Whom Do You Seek? John chapter 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So, a couple of things here. Uh, John chapter 17, uh, John's uh, book is a little less uh, chapters than some of the other gospels. But in John chapter 17, it concludes in chapter 16, Jesus had done all that he was going to do on the face of the earth. At that point, he had uh, raised uh, the dead. He had uh, performed incredible supernatural miracles, blind eyes open, uh, deaf people hearing, lame people walking, lepers being cleansed, uh, multitudes of people being fed with a, a couple of pieces of bread and some fish. And, uh, and then on top of that, obviously, all the incredible teachings that Jesus did, the encouragement of his word. Uh, you know, the, in, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, I believe, maybe 8, um, is the great sermon that Jesus preached and, and uh, the preparation for people to begin to understand. And he came uh, preaching and pro- proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. As you know, John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, um, came declaring um, and being, and I spoke of this last week, he came to prepare the way of Jesus Christ and all that he was going to do. And John came preaching the kingdom is coming, and Jesus comes preaching the kingdom is here, the kingdom is at hand. And, uh, and then in John chapter 17, you see this beautiful recorded prayer of Jesus. It's his last recorded prayer. He begins in these first five, five verses uh, talking to the Father about himself and about what eternal life is. And then he goes on to talk uh, to the disciples and pray over the disciples and those that were with him at that time. And then um, beautifully at the end, he goes ahead and prays for all of us. Can you say amen to that? He didn't leave us out. Those that are coming, uh, Jesus prayed a prayer over us. And it was a powerful, profound prayer. And I'm going to come back to uh, verse 3 in a moment. But John chapter 18, I'm going to read some verses here. John chapter 18, beginning with verse 1, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew this place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priest and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. And then verse 4, it says, Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to 
uh, these that were looking for him, he asked the question, four words, whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to him, to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing there with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. I want to just pause there and speak for a moment about this man, Judas. Judas was a disciple, had been called by Jesus to be a part of the 12 original disciples And Judas, before this event that's recorded in John chapter 18, Judas experienced all the things that I just uh, spoke of a moment ago, the things that we enjoy the benefit of 2,000 years later, the things that Jesus accomplished. He, Judas was there when uh, Jesus uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. He was there when uh, he saw lame people walk and deaf people hear and blind people see and the lepers cleansed and, and uh, he'd seen the multitudes. He had been a part of passing out the bread and the fish. He had experienced all these amazing things and yet here, We see in John chapter 18 that Judas is the one who's betrayed Christ. He's brought these soldiers uh, to uh, Jesus, and Jesus walks right up to Judas, and he asks the question, whom do you seek? It wasn't like Jesus thought Judas no longer remembered who he was. Matter of fact, just a few hours before, Jesus had been in the upper room with his 12 disciples. Envision this. See this. They're sitting at the table in the upper room that had been prepared for Jesus to have this last supper with his men. They break bread together. They share communion together. Jesus, at one point, gets down on his knees and washes the feet of Judas. Wow. You think about it. It's mind-boggling. I said to those in the first service, and we're, we're in 2023, and all of us that are walking with the Lord have known someone that has walked with the Lord in some reason, some purpose, some uh, uh, discouragement or disillusionment or uh, something happened in someone's life and, and you watch them what we would call in the modern church, watch them backslide, slide back, slip back, sneak out the back door. Something happened in their life. They once walked with the Lord, but something happened and caused them to become so discouraged that they begin to wonder, is God real? Is this real? Is the church real? But Judas, he walked with Christ. The significance of that is mind-boggling to me. The things that we would love to be able to see that, that uh, you know, I don't know how you're going to be when you get to heaven. There's a lot of things that I kind of think I want to experience. But, but I want to go to that great big movie screen that Jesus is going to have and watch some reruns. You know? 
Somebody sent me a text uh, a little bit ago after the first service, and uh, it was a picture um, of Jesus standing at the tomb, and it says, back by popular demand. <laughs> Pretty cool. Well, there's, there's going to be some things I want to watch. I, I, I mean, I want to watch Lazarus, who's dead in the tomb four days. Body's beginning to rot. And Jesus cries out, Lazarus! Come forth. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Lazarus laying there and he wakes up. Dude, I thought I was dead. <laughs> but he can't move. He's all wrapped up like this. They got him all wrapped all the way down to his feet. His head's wrapped and got something over his face. Can't get out. And so he... <laughs> out of the grave. <laughs> Jesus had to say, somebody unwrap him. Judas experienced all of that. How? How did he come to that place where 30 pieces of silver was more important than his relationship with God? Hard to imagine. Whom do you seek? So in between John chapter 18... And what I'm going to read to you in a moment out of John chapter 20 is the difference between Friday and Sunday. Friday was a bad day. We call it Good Friday. Not really certain I understand that. Not a term I use. Um, but on Friday, Thursday night, Jesus has been arrested in the garden. He willingly gives himself up. They don't come and forcefully take him. He gives himself up. Matter of fact, he says, look, I, I've been in your temple every day speaking and talking. You didn't bother to arrest me then. The reason was because they were fearful. But Jesus reminds them. So Thursday night he's arrested. He goes through trial, a mock trial. He's accused. He's beaten. All these things happen. And then on Friday, they hang him on a cross. He dies. And then before sunset, he's put in a borrowed tomb. The tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Friday is bad. But then there's Saturday. Saturday. What are the disciples doing? What's Mary, the mother of Jesus, doing? What's Mary Magdalene doing? What, what's going through their lives, their minds? Because Jesus, to all of them, save I believe, except for Mary, the mother of Christ. I believe Mary knew. Otherwise, I don't know how Mary would have gone and stood and watched her son being persecuted, beaten, crowned with thorns, and hung on a tree. How does a mother stand and watch that? Unbelievable. 
And yet she does because Mary, I believe, had pondered all the things from the time when Gabriel the angel came and said, oh, favored one of God, you're going to bear a child. Well, I I don't know how that's going to happen. I've never known a man. And the angel of the Lord says, the Holy Spirit of God's going to hover over you and you're going to conceive a child and you're going to name him Jesus, the Christ, Emmanuel, the Son of God. She ponders that. She finally gives birth. The wise men come. The shepherds come. Everybody's coming, telling their version of their story. They were out. The shepherds were out. A star came. The angels sang. There was a heavenly choir. All these amazing things. And they tell Mary this. And, and it says throughout Scripture that, that Mary heard, listened, pondered, took these things to heart. When Jesus was 12 years of age, the whole family had gone to Jerusalem for Passover and, and um, in the midst of uh, all of them being together, uh, the time is up. They're heading back home. Three days into the journey home, Mary goes, anybody seen Jesus? And the disciple, I mean the, the, the brothers of Jesus. Could you imagine being the brothers of Jesus? I don't think you can. I mean, the brothers of Jesus had to have experienced some frustration with their big brother. I mean, I can imagine them all, all the boys for them laying up in their bunks. And the brothers going, Jesus, why, why can't you just mess up every once in a while? They don't have a clue. They don't know this story. Nothing in history tells us that Mary and Joseph told their children who Jesus was. And so, Jesus, I don't know that he ever had a belt taken to his bottom. We do know that Mary and Joseph, after finding Jesus three days, they go back, they leave the family, head home. We're going back. Mary and Joseph are going through the city of Jerusalem. You can imagine Mary, the mother, she's panicking. Where's my 12-year-old? Finally, they find Jesus in the temple teaching the religious leaders of their day. (laughs) They call for a timeout, give me a 30, and uh, Jesus, we got to go home. They get him outside the temple, and you could just imagine Joseph is just bewildered. He's amazed. He stood there in the corner, and he watched Jesus uh, teaching profoundly to these religious leaders. Mary, she's happy that she found him. She's mad at what she'd been through. Probably the only time that Mary was ever mad at Jesus. And she said, why'd you do this to me, son? Jesus gives that profound answer. Mom, you know I have to be about my father's business. I mean, this is a regular lady. This isn't like, you know, the clouds are hovering over Mary and she's like the, the profound mother. No, no, she's just a mom. And she's only, she's a mom of a 12-year-old and she's probably maybe 26, 27 years old. And she said, son, why? And he said, I have to be about my father's business. And, and she pondered that. 
She thought about, she knew, she understood things about Jesus that no one else did. So when Jesus goes to the cross on, on Friday, as much as she's got to be grieving and hurting for the pain of watching what Jesus is going through, crown of thorns that says that it was pressed on his brow and the pain was so intense that you could not identify his face. His facial expression had changed from the pain. I don't know about you. I get a splinter. Ooh, I'm a wuss. I'm like, come on, honey, get something to get this thing out. You can't even see it. You got to have binoculars and, and, and uh, what do you call those other things? Magnifying glass. She's down there digging in your finger trying to get that little time. Could you imagine a crown of thorns pressed into your brow? And then he's beaten and wrapped with a robe and then has the robe ripped off his back after the blood had dried. So he's gone through all of these things. Friday's horrible. The disciples have all disappeared. Jesus is hanging on a cross and he dies. And he's put in a borrowed grave. So in between Friday and Sunday is the most awful, quiet Saturday. Saturday. What can you say about Saturday? For the followers and lovers of Jesus, it was a day of quietness, reflection, questions that had no answers. There's nobody that can bring an answer to these disciples. Saturday, that day between the crucifixion of their Lord and the resurrection that they have yet to experience, Saturday. A day between despair and joy. A day like many people live on a regular basis, a day of sorrow, pain, and unanswered questions here today in 2023. So many people that are lost and without hope. They've tried all their gods, the God of alcohol, the God of drug addiction, the, the God of sexual immorality, their fake gods, their gods that they built with their own hands. I don't, I don't think anything I could build with my hands would be worship, worth worshiping. I'm not a builder. For all the men in this house that build, I applaud you. I change a light bulb, and I want to be patted on the back by my wife and said, good job, honey, for not electrocuting yourself while you change that bulb. There's just some things that some folks have a gift to do, but I can't, I can't imagine what it must be like uh, for these guys that build, that, that they have a set of plans, and they have a plot of land, and they envision, and they see, and they build. And then they back up and go, wow, that is amazing what they, what I have accomplished. They build something and they see it fulfilled. But there are so many in our society today that are lost and without hope. They don't know God the Father. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're empty. Because no other God, no other gods talk except Jehovah the living God. The voice of God can still be heard today 
all across the face of the earth, people are coming to Christ because they had a dream or a vision where Jesus showed up and spoke to them. No, no other gods, nobody else that serves any other gods, I've ever heard a testimony that, that my God came and talked to me. But Jesus still talks. He's at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, believing, hoping, trusting that all of his children will come to him, knowing that they all will not. So Saturday for the disciples. Saturday for Mary Magdalene, who had, had seven demons possessed her body. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Mary is one of the first miracles that we see and read about in Scripture where Jesus came and laid his hands on her, spoke to those demons, and they fled out of her body, and her body uh, just went limp. Jesus helped her and strengthened her, and Mary followed Christ through the three years that he continued to walk and do miracles. Mary! She saw, she experienced, she had experienced it in her own life, and yet she had heard Jesus talk about the kingdom of God, and all the disciples believed that Jesus at that time was going to redeem Israel, the Jewish people, save them from Roman taxation, and set them free. They believed it. They, they argued about it. Matter of fact, some of the disciples, the night before Jesus is going to be crucified, in the, in the upper room, you hear these disciples, you read of these disciples arguing about which one of them is going to be the greatest um, when Jesus brings his kingdom to the earth. So even though they had been forewarned and told, nobody understood on that Friday when they saw the Messiah hang on that tree and die. Because in his death was their death. What, what are we going to do now? Think about that Saturday. Friday went long and late and they're exhausted and they wake up Saturday and they're rubbing their eyes and they're wondering, was it a bad dream? Till they realized it wasn't a dream at all. Saturday, there's no answers. God's quiet. There's no angels speaking. There's no angels visiting the disciples saying, don't be discouraged. See, Jesus had told them. He had forewarned them. He had proclaimed to them what was going to happen, but they didn't get it. Just like some today in our society still don't get it. They don't believe. And yet, Saturday finally comes to an end. I don't know about you, but I thank God for Sunday. Because on Sunday, all of a sudden, Mary, she wakes up. There's something stirring in this woman. And she says, I got to go to where they buried my Lord. I, I got to go see if this really happened. John chapter 20, verse 11 says, well, well, first of all, chapter 20, verse 1 through 10 tells the story of Peter and John also getting up on Sunday and running to the gravesite. They get, get there, 
John outruns Peter. John gets there, stops at the door. Peter comes running by and runs inside the tomb where Jesus had been buried. And there's a cloth laying there that had wrapped his body in a cloth for his head. But there was no Jesus. And there's no angels talking to Peter and John. Mary comes as they're there, and they turn and head back to the city. And Mary envisioned this, standing there. The big tombstone has been rolled away. Mary looks, and then she looks inside, and she walks into this tomb. And inside this tomb, there are two angels. And they look at Mary, and they ask her, why are you weeping? I mean, she had to have been thinking, you know, one, I don't know who these guys are. Two, I don't know why they'd be asking me this question because my Lord laid here. Why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away, verse 13, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was him. Jesus said to her, verse 15, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will go and take him away. See the picture. The tomb, the angels inside, and the man she perceives to be a gardener. And she's having this conversation. Jesus says, Mary, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And all of a sudden, Jesus says to her one word, Mary. Mary. That's all she needed. That voice was recognizable. This is no longer the garden. This is Jesus, my Redeemer. Tears had to have filled her eyes. And Jesus said, Mary, stop. Can't touch me yet. But go and tell the other disciples. Tell my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. So Mary's asked the question, whom are you seeking? Today, the question I would ask anyone in this place, anyone that's watching online this morning that doesn't know God in a personal, intimate, real way. I'm, I'm not talking about, do you know church? Have you been raised in church your whole life? I'm asking you this one question. Do you know Jesus in a personal way? More intimately than anyone else on the face of the earth. So that when Jesus calls your name, will you be like Mary? And go, Rabbi, teacher, 
Jesus. John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life. He's praying to God the Father. Now hear this. And he says, this is eternal life that they know you. Hear me. The only true God. Yahweh, the living God, the great I am. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus the Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. He says, do you know him? There's no greater question I could ask you today. Whether you grew up in the church or today's your first time ever in the house of God. Whether you've ever experienced his presence before. Whether you have ever known him in a personal way. The question that's asked, the question that, that we need to answer in our life for the sake of eternity, for the sake of the reality that one day I'm going to depart this world. I, if Jesus tarries, I'm going to go through the door of death and every one of you will too. When you do, do not be deceived and believe some lie that life is over when you die. Oh no, life has just begun. The promise of God is eternal life. But hear me, it's not just eternal life for the believer. It's eternal life for those who reject God. The word is clear. It's, it's definitive. It's scary. The reality of what it will be like once you enter through the door of death. Do you know him? More importantly, does he know you? More importantly, have, have you given your life, surrendered to the one who loved you so much? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, for whom? For you. For you. What your mama knew and lived, what your daddy lived out, will be irrelevant. The question is, whom do you seek? Do you desire to know him? Surrender your life to him? Give your life over? Because life on this earth is temporal. It's just a brief time. My dad lived over 99 years. In the last few weeks of his life, as we would sit on the side of his bed and talk, he would say, son, it was just yesterday that you were born. Son, it was just yesterday, the first time I ever laid eyes on your mom. It was just yesterday that I was in school playing ball. Ninety-nine years came and went. The only thing that mattered for my dad in the end was that he knew God. And he had such a peace. Matter of fact, for those of you not heard this portion of my story, my dad called me to his bedside. And he said, son, I'm, I'm asking you to stop praying for me. He's 99 years and three months. And he said, stop praying for me. I was like, dad, what, what do you mean? Why do you want me to stop praying for you? He said, I know you want me to live to be 100. But he said, I'm ready to go. 
I'm done. I'm tired. I'm ready to be with Jesus. Today, if today was your last day on this earth, would you be ready to be with Jesus? The lover of your soul. The one who created you in his image, in his likeness. The father who was willing to give up his son to die a horrible death so that you could have life. At this point in time in all of our lives, it's about one simple thing, making a choice. You see, if Jesus is knocking at your heart's door today, and there's a desire to know him, that didn't just happen in your life because you woke up and it's Sunday and it's Easter. It's because the Holy Spirit of God has prepared you, and now he's beckoning you, and now he's calling you, And now he's knocking on your heart's door because he loves you. Because he wants to have a personal relationship the way that Mary Magdalene had with Jesus. So that when he speaks, you hear his voice. You can say yes to Jesus. When I ask you to close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment as I want to pray over you for just a moment and say just a couple other things. Today could be the greatest day of your life. A day where confusion and frustration and pain and unanswered questions can dissolve out of your life because of a choice to say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you're the only way to the Father. I believe that you're more than just a good man or a prophet. You are indeed the Son of God who is willing to die on a cross so that the blood you shed out of your body would be for the cleansing of my soul, that you would redeem me from the curse of the law and the curse of the past in all sins and all failures. That Jesus, you were willing to die for me. In just a moment, I'm going to invite anyone in this room, those who are watching online, today, the Lord's knocking at your heart's door and you do not know God. Today you can. Today you can invite his son by the power of the Holy Spirit into your life to become your Lord and your Savior. Because church is not enough. Religion is not enough. What your mama or daddy believed is not enough. Today, the Lord is requiring of you a decision, a surrender to the one who loves you. So, Father, I pray this morning for anyone in this room that does not have a personal relationship with you today. Father, I'm not inviting them to join this church or to become a part of a religious organization. Father, we're inviting them today to know you. I'll never forget, Father, at eight years of age, when I came to the realization that I needed a Savior and I ran to an altar and invited you, Jesus, to be Lord of of my life and how my life radically and forever was changed because of that moment. And that today I have the utmost confidence 
of who I am in Christ. That I am a son of the living God. And I am joint heir with Christ Jesus. Therefore, given me every legal right to come to you, Father, and to receive and to pray and to talk and to commune and to have fellowship. I pray for anyone in this room that does not have that sweet fellowship with you, Father, that have lived under religious strongholds and lies and, and things that have bound them and frustrated them and they were never good enough. And they did all kinds of things trying to fill the emptiness of their soul. Today, Father, we're inviting them to open up and allow you to forgive them of all of their sin and all of their past and all of their failures. And know you, the one true living God. Jesus, thank you that you loved us so much you were willing to die. Not only for me, but for everyone in this room. I thank you for that, Father. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and believers are praying right now, if you're watching online, you can respond, you can text in, you can call in. But if you're sitting in this room, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you, if you're ready today, you're ready today to receive Jesus as Lord of your life. You're ready today to begin a relationship with the Father, the God who created you in His image and His likeness and who desires to know you and walk with you and to fellowship with you. I'm going to invite you in just a moment to respond by lifting up your hand, and I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer, a prayer of salvation, a prayer of acknowledgement, of declaration, that one, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and two, that he died for your sins, and that you confess that to the Lord and he comes into your life. And your life is renewed and made new. Your old man dies. And you rise up in the resurrected Christ. In the power that, say, that raised Jesus from the dead. Will come and live in you. And it's a wonderful experience that will last your lifetime. So with every head bowed and believers are praying. If this morning you would give me the privilege to pray over you and to lead you to Christ, wherever you're sitting in this room, would you just lift up your hand and hold it for a moment so I can recognize it, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer in just a moment. Now, I understand it's the toughest and biggest decision you will ever make in your lifetime. It's a decision that you don't take lightly, flippantly, it's a decision that says, today, I want to surrender to Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you just lift up your hand, let me recognize it, and then you can put it down. And in a moment, I'm going to pray for us. Yes, sir, God bless you. Yes, ma'am, God bless you. Yes, young man, God bless you. Yes, dear, God bless you. There are others in this room today. You're ready to receive Jesus. Just like this whole family just lifted their hand. How about you today? This is your moment. Not about being religious. It's about wanting to know Jesus. He loves you. He loves you so very much. This morning before we pray. Anyone else? It's your moment. It's your opportunity. Maybe you're that person and yes, God bless you, dear. Maybe you're 
in that backslidden state that we talked about earlier. Maybe you once walked with God and something just got you on the wrong track. Somehow you found yourself. Yes, God bless you, dear. You found yourself slipping away. Today, the Lord has brought you here to remind you how much he loves you. Maybe today you're ready to come back to Jesus. Yes, sir, God bless you. God bless you, sir. Anyone else this morning? This is, this is your moment. He loves you. I don't want to leave anybody out. I remember when this was my journey, and I ran to the altar, and my life has never been the same. Today, today can be that day for you. Yes, sir, God bless you. All right, I want to invite all of you to stand with me, if you will. Please, nobody else leave the room for just a moment. We're going to be through in just a couple of minutes. To those of you that responded and raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat that prayer out loud in faith. And the whole congregation is going to join with us this morning. Pray this prayer with me today. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I come today acknowledging that I have been separated from you, Father. Separated from your love. I've lived my own life and I've done my own thing. And I cannot find fulfillment. So today, I'm surrendering to you. Jesus, I'm inviting you to be Lord of my life. I'm inviting you to come into my heart. I'm choosing this day, Father, to reject my old life and to begin anew, afresh, in Christ Jesus. So Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me, I pray, of all of my sin. I acknowledge you today, Jesus, to be the Son of God, the Christ, my Redeemer. And I choose you, and I make a covenant and a vow that I'm going to serve you, Father, all the rest of the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's give the Lord a hand for these guys. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.